This is Coach Cimarroni for the Montrose Auto Group. If you're looking for a new vehicle or a pre-owned vehicle, Montrose Auto Group is the place to go. They have over 16 dealerships and over 1,300 used vehicles in their stock, as well as a pretty good stock of new vehicles, everything from Range Rovers to Fords. Seek out Montrose Auto Group and the fantastic people at Montrose Auto Group, headed by Mike Thompson and Chris Mills. We love you very much for your support. Thank you so much for your support of Blood Time, my podcast. Seek them out at GoMontrose.com for your pre-owned or new vehicles. GoMontrose.com. Chris Mills and Mike Thompson, thank you very much. We are all blood. Love to all. Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. I am so excited for this guest. He's a hero of mine from my formative years, and also uh, he was a nemesis of the uh, the Buckeyes back when he was playing in college. Thomas Darden. Tom, how are you? I'm all right, Peter. How you doing? Um, great. Great to have you on. And you played in the, gl- the glory days, man, the golden era of, of – uh, of, uh, well, actually, it wasn't the Jim Brown era, but it was right after that. And you also gave fits to Woody Hayes and the Buckeyes back in their uh, Wolverine days. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, uh, Woody did not like that play very much, I don't think. I think he got two, what, 15-yard penalties, and I don't know how he didn't get kicked out of the game. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of surprised that he didn't either. Yeah. Well, you had probably the most famous interception against Ohio State, particularly in the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. Well, let's just say I'm grateful that we were playing in Ann Arbor and not in Columbus. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tom, you know, also, too, not only did you do uh, amazing things in college, but you hold still the franchise record for the Browns for the most interceptions in a career, I believe. Actually, I do. I hold the uh, interception record for career and for, I guess, for tied for the single season. Right. I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. Well, you're a very heady, heady player. You you had the angles. You knew you 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 did the studying. You're a Michigan grad, so you had to have a little little bit of the uh, sc- uh, schoolroom uh, discipline. And uh, you play with some great great teammates: Jerry Shirk, uh, Clay Matthews. Uh, tell me a little bit about what it was like to play with uh, Greg Pruitt and I think even Paul Warfield for a minute. And were you there when e- Rich Barnes was still there? No, Erich was gone when I when I got there. Uh, the first secondary I played with was Mike Howell, sure, Walt Sumner, Ben Davis, yeah, um, and Clarence Scott. Oh my God, Clarence Scott, another another All Pro with you. Yeah. Yep, that's a heck of a backyard uh, backfield. And uh, Ben Davis is uh, Angela Davis's brother. That's right. Yeah, that's it's, right. It, and I always said to him that was his claim to fame was that he was. Uh, Angela's brother. Man. That's right. That's right. It's unbelievable. And you were there during the infamous uh, Phipps and Walt Warfield trade. Am I right? I came in after the trade, and then actually they brought Warfield back, and he and I were roommates. Okay. For a couple of years. Okay. Yeah, he played the last two years of his career with the Browns. Correct. Correct. Right. And then you had that that amazing backfield of the Bru- the Pruitts, Greg and uh, Mike. Well, I tell you what, uh, two totally different players, but right. both great in their own respect. A 
Gray could do just about everything. Run at probably wasn't the best blocker, but right. <laughs> uh, Mike was big and strong and would run over people, and he could outrun some people. Yes, he so could. Both of those guys were great running backs. Well, they were totally different, right? I mean, Greg was hello, goodbye, and Mike was uh, pound and ground, right? Yeah, well, think about it. They uh, they did away with the fairway jersey because of Greg Pruitt. Exactly uh, right. Exactly right. Well, he had a he had a famous T-shirt on the front. It said hello, and on the back it said goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and he was also a punt returner, pretty good too, with like like you are. Uh, he was much better punt returner than I. I ended up being his blocker. So. Okay, okay. Well, he had some moves, man. He had definitely some moves. I mean, yeah, he had moves. Plus, he had speed. Yeah, he was the original scat back, right? Yes, you're absolutely right. Right. That's- Right. And then you played with uh, was uh, Sipe was there too when you were, you when you were playing correct? The, uh, the the metamorphosis of Brian Sipe. He was drafted in like the you know back then I think they had twelve or four. I can't even remember how many rounds they had. Right. But Brian was a late late round draft pick, made the team. And then uh, hung around until he got his opportunity, and wow, look what he did! Took advantage yep. of that opportunity and became a great quarterback. Well, he was—I uh, think he was the MVP of the league in '80, wasn't he? Yes, he was. I mean, that's yes, amazing. That's amazing. I mean, he was, uh, but he well, was so I mean, accurate, and he had such beautiful touch. Yeah, he had passing. a great touch. And it didn't hurt that he had. Uh, uh, Reggie Rucker, right? Ozzie Newsom, and Dave Logan to throw the ball to. Yeah, there were some pretty good hands with those three right there, man. I mean, no question about it. I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, I think you you you, you kind of look at that and uh, compare it to Kozar with uh, Reggie Langhorn and Brian Brennan and uh, some right. some of those guys, and 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 you also play with some other amazing guys like uh, Jerry Shirk. What a stud, right? I tell you what, when I when I got there. Yeah. Uh, Ian Walter Johnson. Right, Walter Johnson, yeah. Yeah. And uh, actually it was pretty good for me. Sure. Because usually I didn't have to worry about people coming up the middle, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because both of those guys, not only were they studs uh, up front, but they could rush the passer as well. Well, Jerry, uh, you know, I, I'm a wrestling coach. I'm the head wrestling coach at an area high school here, and I've been coaching that sport forever because at 5'7", 152, I, I was a starting center in high school, but I wasn't doing anything after that, brother. So <laughs> so I stuck with wrestling. But Shirk was a, was an All-American at Oklahoma, and he used a lot of those skills, uh, leverage and angles and all that, to be an, an all-pro for the Browns. That's right. At Oklahoma State, I think he went to, and he was a great wrestler, Yep. When he uh, uh, didn't he win the Big Twelve? It was the Big Yeah, 12 he was a Big Twelve champ, and he was an All American. Yes, absolutely, yeah. he was a stud, yeah. absolutely stud. And uh, we also had another guy in my era, Bob Golick, uh, and I think uh, you may have played with him for a year or so with Cousineau, I no, think he came. He came after I was gone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, Golick was a. Was a uh, he took third in the country and he was a state champ for us for at St. Joe's and he took third in the country at Notre Dame right after they won the national title, so he only had uh, yeah. Bob not only was he a funny guy, but he was obviously very strong. I just remember watching him as a middle guard. Yep. 
Yep. What a stud, right? down that middle quite well for those teams after us. Absolutely. In the late 80s, early 90s. Yes, yes, he was he was something. And, uh, so, and, and you know, you also play with a, a few other guys that I want to talk, talk to you about, and then I want to get into your career. Uh, what do you... Well, how 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 could Clay Matthews play so long and at that level? I mean, what a, what a physical specimen! First of all, I don't know about anybody else, but yeah. to be able to withstand the toll of the punishment you have to endure for as many years as he did, yep, and to play at a, uh, a level of, of all pro level for for years as he did, yep, is truly amazing. Because the thing that, that happens to your body, Peter, is that it deteriorates sure. over time. Sure. Now, the one good thing, I, my thing has always been, the further you are away from the ball, yes. the more difficult it is to stay around. Yes. Because if you're running and changing directions, it takes a toll on your leg. No doubt. Your um, knees, sure, your ankles. And your absolutely. knees and yeah. your ankles yeah. and your toes. Yeah. All of yeah. which. Yeah. I have issues with today. Sure. But um, for someone to do it as long as Clay Matthews did and did it at the level that he did it, it's truly amazing. And and, and his brother Bruce, I mean, what what's in their gene pool? <laughs> yeah, but at least at least for Bruce, yeah. he was an offensive lineman. And my right. thing is, right, offensive right. lineman had their head down. They don't really have to worry about much, you know. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, you know, for me, uh, an offensive lineman can play forever. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. If, and if you've got, you know, obviously the brute strength yep. and uh, the arms and the shoulders to be able to keep those guys out. But you also have to have great footwork no matter where you're playing, particularly in yes, your you in, do in have sport. To have great footwork. And you had, you had great footwork, Tom. And the other guy that had great footwork was a. Uh, was a Hall of Famer, Leroy Kelly. You, I think you played with him for a little bit too, right? I did. I played with Leroy, and it was amazing to watch him make the moves that he made in the hole. Yep. Uh, then find a place to cut and run. I mean, the guy was amazing. Yeah, and he was, uh, he was uh, Jim Brown's caddy for a little bit, right? <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. That was amazing. I, I was seven years old when they won the National uh, Football League title. And, uh, you know, I couldn't watch it for a week because it was back in the day when they blacked it out, you know, and I, obviously we didn't get a, we didn't get a ticket because <laughs> you had to. Well, growing you know. up in Sandusky, I, you know, I used to watch the Browns sure. all the time. Sure, and, uh, sure. I, I was, you know, obviously I was just amazed at that 64 team. Wow. Uh, which was the last championship team. Yep. And I actually had the opportunity to play was a number of the guys that were still around on that team. Sure. Was was Hickerson still around when you were Hickerson knew? was around, Ron yeah. Snydo. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, Jim Houston. Was Milt um, Moore was Milt Morin on the team when you when you were playing? Milt Morin. Don Cockroft too, right? Don Cockroft. Sure. I, mean, I played with quite a few of the guys that had played on that championship team. Yep. Yep. Well, it was it was amazing, and it, you know, Cleveland. Uh, when I was when I was growing up, you know, Cleveland was was a was a powerhouse, and then of course we hit that uh, that lull in the '80s until Kozar got in there and kind of revived it again. But uh, you know, it was just it was just always fun watching you guys. And there was another guy that I think came in maybe right after you retired, but did a, an amazing turnaround 
and became the comeback player of the year's year, Charlie White, Charles White, uh, running back yes, from I, USC. I played one year with Charlie. Okay. And uh, that was that was amazing. I mean, what so, a physical specimen, no, no, right? No, no, he, he came in after. Did he? Did he? And so did, um, so did but, Chip Banks, too, right? Chip Banks came right at, yeah, after Chip you? Banks. Yep. He was another specimen, too. Oh, and my. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't have the, the bulk strength that you look for. This guy could run. Yep. And he didn't have a problem tackling bigger guys. Yep. Um, yep. He was, was a great athlete. Yes. 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 So, so Tom, I want to talk talk about your formative years, you know, particularly in Michigan, you were all American there and all big 10, but you had just a heady game. You were always, it seemed like you were a step ahead of the guys and, and tell me who inspired that in you, or is that just your DNA? No, Peter, I I truly believe that uh, in the game of football, you have to learn Mm -hmm. to be a, student of the game. Right. And I was taught that very early in my career as high school player. Okay. And um, I had coaches who ended up, well, three of my high school coaches ended up being masculine high school head coach. Wow. Uh, wow. And you know what, you know, being a head coach at masculine was about. Oh my gosh. It was it was Paul Brown's Paul Brown's high school, right? That's where he coached. Right. Yeah, that's right. So yep. uh, one of the guys I could I I really attribute to him. Yeah, me becoming a football player. Okay, his name was Mike Kern. Mike Kern. Okay, and, um, I'm a freshman in high school, and you know, at that time we were just playing football. You played because you played all the time. Right. But he's the one that got me to start lifting weights. Sure. To start uh, learning how to uh, play in the. Well, he wanted me to be a linebacker. He okay. actually put me at linebacker my senior year in high school because our middle linebacker broke his leg in our first game. Oh, wow. Wow. But they came to me and said, look, we need you to play middle linebacker. I was 173 pounds. Oh, boy. Oh, and, boy. Uh, I think it was that transformation that that helped me to really start getting involved mentally into the game because being 173 pounds, there was no way. And playing in the, it was the uh, Buckeye Conference. Sure, time. yeah, yeah. It was the second best conference in the state of Ohio. Yep. Uh, behind Maslin and Ken McKinley and those guys. Right. But I had to, I had to learn how to read the offensive line know which way people were going to try to block me. Sure. Uh, you know, I needless to say, I stepped around a lot of blocks. But, uh, <laughs> I got you. I had to on guys, too, so I had to get tough. You know? Yeah, well, you had to tackle. You had to tackle. And I want to explore that more, Tom. Uh, we got to take a break and pay uh, pay attention to, the, to our sponsors because that's what keeps us on the air here. So, yeah, we'll be right back with Tom Darden after the break. This is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. So our producer, Maverick Peters' dad, Scott Peters, was a heck of a high school wrestler. And he wrestled every day with the same guy. And they both made the state tournament. That guy was Jack Coslin. He's the owner of ServPro of Beechwood. ServPro of Beechwood is the industry leader in flood and fire cleanup and restoration. And they serve all of Northeast Ohio. But they're also short of staff. 
They're looking for team members. And if you're willing to work hard and help homeowners and businesses get their lives back in order and work with a former state qualifier, seek out ServePro of Beachwood. They will provide training, support, and of course, benefits. So if you're looking for that good entry-level position, seek Jack Coslin, the owner of ServePro of Beachwood at ServeProofBeachwood.com. Jack Coslin, thank you. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com. In the midst of our current health crisis, we at Blood Time want to thank Guy and Gus Seiko and the team at Defense Soap as a beacon of our protection. Body wipes, skin cleansers, bars of soap, shower gels, and disinfectant tablets. All this and more as Defense Soap is on the front line of our protection. Thanks to the Seiko family and their team at Defense Soap. Check them out for all your protection needs during these precarious times. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com And we're back with Tom Darden, the All-Pro, the All-American uh, from University of Michigan and the Cleveland Browns. Tom, uh, you're exploring your, uh, your formative years at, in, in Sandusky and you had uh, Coach Kern uh, you know, inspire you to really become a student of football and also dedicate yourself to becoming an actually complete football player by lifting, etc. So talk a little bit about how you got to Michigan and what that was like. Well, uh, the interesting story was, uh, you know, when you were being recruited in high school, and, and for me, it was huge. It was the first time that I could go out and eat a steak. Right? Yeah, I got so, it. Um, I, was, I wanted to take a lot of visits. But my father said, no, you yep. boil it down to the two schools you want to go to. Okay. And then you make those visits. So well, I actually did three. Okay. I visited uh, Ohio State, yep. Northwestern, and yep. Michigan. Yep. I wanted to play in the Big Ten because at that time, the Big Ten was the conference. Yep. And uh, I wanted to play football in the Big Ten. Gotcha. So uh, on my trip to Northwestern. Yep. They were not very good. No. But they, they, it was a great school. Alex Agassi was the coach. Sure. It was a great school. I really enjoyed my visit. Oh, now, academically, uh, academically amazing. And Alex Agassi is a Hall of Famer. So it yeah. was, yeah, it was a great choice. That, but it, but it would have been a great a choice. Brown. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. And when I went to uh, Columbus, yeah. that was an interesting experience because uh, when you go to these uh, big colleges, you know, I'm sure it's a lot different now than it was back in the late 60s, but uh, when you go to these places, they have you and your parents sitting in this room. Okay. And you sit in with the other guys that are being recruited at that time. Okay. So they have their war room where they have all of the players listed at their position and how they're ranked. Wow. And they're recruiting for, uh, you know, power. Yep. So I'm, I'm walking around waiting for my turn to come, and I, I come across this room. Okay. And I peek into this room, and I see the board, and I see my name. And because I was a linebacker, mm-hmm. Woody Hayes had me positioned as a linebacker. Oh, no. Yeah, that's and, not good. And uh, had me down, way down on the list, right? Right. All right. So I said, okay. So they come out, uh, Mr. Mr. Darden in town, will you come and we go in and 
we sit down with Coach Hayes, and I look over there, and my name's at the top, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, How fun. So it was a little different, but... Uh, Little bit, little bit of a sales job. I like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A sales job. Oh yeah. But the thing that that got me was uh, when Bump Elliott came to my house. And, uh, Who is that? Was Who is that? Bump Elliott. Okay. Okay. He was head, he was the head coach at Michigan at that time. Right. 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 He came and my mother fell in love with Bump. You know, he was Natalie dressed. He was a perfect gentleman. Sure. Uh, just a nice guy. Right. 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 So uh, I said, uh, well, I think I'm going to Michigan. There you so go. I went to Michigan, and when I made my trip on campus uh, with all the other guys that had committed, yeah, there were, at that time, there were four uh, black athletes on scholarship on the football team at the University of Michigan. Wow. Four. Wow. And in my class, there were eight of us. Oh, my gosh. So we had more than what they had ever seen at the University of Michigan. Wow. Wow. Four of those eight became All-Americans. Wow. That's crazy. That is that is such a great story, Tom. My gosh. Um, and you, um, had to, you had to feel very, very fortunate to be in with that quality of, of, of a class, right? Yes. Yes. And, and you, it was interesting because... So we had guys, we had, uh, we had a guy that was the son of one of the four horsemen. Oh, wow. Notre Dame. Sure. Had uh, nephew in our class. We had, uh, I mean, we had some guys who had recognition and, and I guess you would call it pizzazz, coming from high schools all over the country. Sure. Come to Ann Arbor, okay? Sure. So I'm thinking, how am I going to compete with these guys? Right, right. Yeah, it was kind of a, kind of an anxious moment for me sure. at the beginning of that situation. Right. But you did, my friend. <laughs> you did. And uh, you transformed yourself into, uh, I think, what, a two-time All-American? Two-time, all, well, two-time Big Ten. Gotcha. My senior year, I was. Uh, All-American. Okay. Um, I, the biggest thing, uh, Peter, was I went from 173 pounds to 200 pounds. Yes, yes. And at 200 pounds back then, that, that's, that's a big defensive back. Yeah, that was big. Yeah. That was big. Yeah. Well, you, and you're you're reasonably tall, too, for, for particularly that era, like 6'1", 6'2", weren't you? I was. 6'2", six to, six to, that was tall for back then, yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, you 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 do this uh, amazing thing, uh, basically burn that interception in the memories of of the Ohio State uh, alumni, and then you go to Cleveland Browns. What was that like to play for your hometown team? That was truly uh, amazing. Yeah. I, I first of all, I did not think. That I, I, didn't, I didn't think about the NFL. Gotcha. Back then, you didn't think like they do now. Be right. Totally different. Right. right. And uh, they didn't have a combine or anything of that nature. Right. So I played in the college all-star game in Chicago. Okay. I played in the uh, all-star game down in Lubbock, Texas. Sure. And that's where the, the pro scout yeah. got a chance to. See you, 
Um, so by the time the June came around, there were a couple of teams called. I thought I was going to be drafted by San Francisco. Okay. They needed a, a, a safety. They wanted a safety. Right. And uh, I thought they were going to pick me. I didn't. I didn't know I was going in the first round. Okay. But anyway, when I the Browns called me, yep, in my house when I was living on campus, I was utterly surprised and huh. truly grateful because I had watched them all my life. Sure, sure. I, I wish they were. I wish they were as good as picking <laughs> picking first round draft picks over the years as they were with you. We, we'd have a, we'd have a lot better results, my friend. <laughs> oh, well. Hey, but so so you get picked. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because uh, my nephew is the defensive coordinator for Duke football, and he was a strong safety for Davidson. So I, I watched his career. And that is just a – safety is just a hard position. You are like the – you're like the shortstop or the – the the court and not the quarterback. Yeah, I guess the quarterback for the defense, but like a shortstop, more like a shortstop, you know, or, or just you just know everybody's position, right? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because back then, mm-hmm. um, well, to be perfectly honest with you, there were no blacks playing that position. Right, right. Um, it was considered the quarterback of the defense yep. because you had to make. Uh, Calls sure. based upon formation, based upon where you are on the field. Right. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, mental purity that I guess go into that position and, and, and in the secondary. Yep. So when they put me at that position, yes, sort of sort of responsibility. Yep. And yep. Uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, well, you did great at it. I mean, there's no you. You took to it like a fish to water. I mean, you were, I, I you know, just we just felt good that Tom Dart was was heading up the defense. I mean, it was just it was just a great feeling. I mean, that's that's all my friends used to feel that way. And then you had a heck of a heck of a secondary too with Clarence Scott and some of the other yeah. guys. Yeah. You know, and then you had you know you had uh, you, you you played under Scorich initially, but Forrest Gregg, who ended up becoming. Coach, NFL coach of the year, I think, with the Bengals, uh, really right. under you know really understood the game, and right. uh, we we were very fortunate that we had a good coach. We had uh, especially in the secondary at that time. Yeah, had a guy by the name of Richie McCabe. Okay. Who, yeah. Who coached, who coached the Oakland Raiders before he came up, and he was the one to be honest with you. When back then in the in the sixties in the um, Conferences across the United States college football. Yeah, you played a lot of zone coverage. Okay. The only time you would play man most of the time was when you blitz. Right. So uh, I was just learning the ins and outs of how to play man coverage, how to you know move your feet, and uh, Richie McCabe was responsible in my mind for placing. Uh, the, uh, the emphasis on me to learn how to be a good man-to-man cover guy, and that's and so I hard. Actually, that's he, so hard. He yeah, showed a lot of uh, trust in me because he would put me in the on the corner. Okay. In uh, summer camp. Okay. Um, in in the scrimmage. Yeah. Let me play corner. 
Gotcha. And, and I, I wasn't as fast as uh, Clarence wasn't as fast then. Yep. But uh, I can hold my own. Okay. And once I learned the footwork. Yep. And uh, I, I felt comfortable that I could have played corner. Well, you're right. The foot, the footwork, and the angles. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where the heady game comes from, and uh, yeah. I, I teach that in my sport too. I said footwork is so important, but the angle, you know, do th- be in the best position with the least amount of work. There you that, go. That's what there they, you, you know. And, I, and that's yeah. so that's so prevalent. Yep. In the secondary. Yeah. You you got to know where you are on the field. Yep. And one of the things for us before they moved the hash mark. Sure. Knew what was the yardage from the hash mark to the sideline? What's the yardage? Yep. Uh, where you are on the field? What that yard marker is? And you knew back then they had strong side, weak side. So yes. you knew if you were on the weak side, you had lesser territory to cover. Sure. But if you're on the strong side and the wide side of the field, you had you know a lot more room to cover. Yes. So you had to split that wide side. I think it was twenty six yards, and you would have to get somewhere between 13, 14 yards since you were in the middle, but yeah. you could cover sideline to the middle of the field. Right, right. Yeah, it was a different game back then, no question about it. And uh, you had some amazing coaches, Tom, and of course, I, I believe you played in the game that, that broke all all of Cleveland's hearts, uh, Red Right in 82, right? Uh, oh, man. Against Oakland. Yeah, okay, I won't, but... Uh, First of all, it took me two or three days to thaw out after that game. Exactly, it was a frozen tundra. It was almost, oh, yeah, yeah, man, it was... We wore, actually, we wore uh, tennis shoes. We wore sure. tennis shoes in the secondary because you couldn't stand up on cleats. Right, right. And Cockroft had just all kinds of problems that game, and uh, just everybody had problems that game, and boy, oh boy, when... When when Sipe threw that interception, it was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was disheartening because all I kept all I kept visualizing was being on the beach in San Diego. Exactly. The next week. The next yeah. week. Exactly <laughs> right. Well, I you know, you you played your heart out and the team played its heart out and it was a cardiac kids year, wasn't it? Oh man, that I never experienced anything like that before or after yeah it was a magical season that i guess just kind of turned to dust at the end but it was a great run and uh, you gave us a lot of great memories tom in your career and uh that team that team and uh, the teams that you played on prior to that so i wanted to um this this has been great. I mean, you just you made my absolute month <laughs> with this interview. Oh, thank you. For this. Oh, yeah. That and I, was good to talk about the good stuff. Man. Exactly, and I so okay. I wanted to just ask you if you would you know we're coming we we're coming out of, of this terrible year of COVID and things are opening up and people are getting back to some semblance of normal. So I'm just going to leave it out to you and just if you could leave our audience with some words of you know encouragement and some positive thought process process. Well, let me just say this. First of all, throughout the history of the Browns, yeah. the fans have just been one of, if not the best in the National Football League. Agreed. During my tenure there, yes. from 72 to 82, yep. so they were ups and downs. But sure. even when we were not very good, yep. the fans supported us immensely. We always had 80,000 people in that, in that stadium. Right. Um, I mean, just thinking of 
some of the highlights, like the Monday night game against the Cowboys, when I mean that that place was just rocking. Yes, it was just unbelievable. The energy sure. that was in that in that place. Yeah. I am looking forward to seeing that again because I think yeah. this team that we have, they have assembled now. Yes. I agree. And I, I sent a note to uh, the Haslam a year ago. Okay. I said, thank you for being proactive as you are, because pretty soon the Browns are going to make it to a Super Bowl. Yeah, Stef- Stefanski has definitely got it. He's got the tools, no question about yeah. it. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. And he's doing the right things. And uh, I, that, that's the best word of encouragement for Cleveland, Ohio. If there's a championship team with the Browns, this place will go bananas. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I just wish I would have been a part of one that brought a championship there. I feel you, but you're a champion in our heart, Tom. You're always a class act, and you can put a hat on some people too, my friend. Uh, when, you, when you had to, when you had to, I know that. And you play with some amazing human beings too, and uh, just people that uh, peppered my my formative years as well, and gave me some great memories. And I, I'm just thankful that sure. you you spent some time with us today. Great time in my life, and uh, you know, got a lot of friends in those teams. Those those memories will never die, Peter. I hear you. Well, Tom, if you're ever in Cleveland, let me know, and I'll take you out to dinner. I'd love to see you, my friend. Oh man, I, I will take you up on that. All right. Well, don't you? You got All my right. number. You got my number. So don't. I do have your number. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tom Darden, our All Pro Cleveland Brown safety and captain and quarterback of the the defense during the. 70s and a little bit of the 80s. Tom, thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me on. All right. This is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. We are all blood. Love to all. Hey, have you ever wondered how the ultra-wealthy grow their real estate portfolio so fast and furious? Have you ever heard of the infinite banking concept? Learn how you can become your own bank and build out your own real estate portfolio like the pros, like the ultra-wealthy. Call Ed Knezovich or Ryan Miller at Next Level Continuing Education at 614-648-2440. Learn how to purchase investment real estate without spending a dollar of your own capital through Next Level Continuing Education. 614-648-2440. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.